welcome to the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. I'm your host, Adam Castor. Here, as always, my co-host, Ed Birdsall. Mr. Birdsall, how you doing? I'm good, Adam. How are you? Ready to talk some sleepers. Uh, it's always a very exciting day when we are uh, talking about specific players. I know a lot of people are super interested, especially now, in trying to figure out what guys we like, what guys we don't like. So, yeah, this is... Uh, if there's anyone that was looking for some some real substance in in this kind of show, this is uh, this is the one. Before we get into that, Bert, I have one quick question for you. Yeah, what is your favorite sports movie of all time? Oh, oh, wow, that's hard. Yep. <sighs> Jesus. That's really hard. I, I have like three. Now, I, I uh, remember the Titans for me. Mine, I think I was going back and forth between remember the Titans, Sandlot and Happy Gilmore. See, it's one of those things where you're, when you talk about sports movies and then somebody you, you think that you're really dead set on one that you love and you're like, there's nothing else that could be that could top this. And then you hear somebody else's and you're like, oh, shit. I didn't even consider, I didn't even consider it. Like, like you don't even think about, like you think about Happy Gilmore and the Sandlot, but um, there are just so many sports movies out there. My favorite sports movie, it flip flops, but at this point it's Major League. I love Major League. Oh, that's a really good shout. That's a deep cut too. That's a very good shout. It's a very, very good shout. Major actually, League is a good one. Yeah, I'm actually going to be watching it Again, at like literally after we get off air, like I'm going to watch it while I eat lunch. It's going to be phenomenal. I love that movie. Billy Madison is another very good shout. Is Billy Madison a sports movie? Yes. Billy Madison is a sports movie. Absolutely. I mean, if, uh, uh, Billy, wait, Billy Madison with Adam Sandler. Yeah, I said it's a sports movie. I would call it a sports movie. I don't think it's a sports movie. I would call it a sports movie. What makes, it, what makes it a sports movie? Because Adam Sandler is in it, and that's Happy Gilmore. So guess what? You can call Grown Ups a sports movie. That doesn't make any sense. You can call Grown Ups a sports movie if you wanted to. So is A Crazy Nights a sports movie? Yes, absolutely. Waterboy. Waterboy, very good shout. Waterboy is an actual sports movie, though. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to keep furthering, continuing my list. Waterboy, very, very, very good shout. What was the other one? What the fuck was that movie called? It's Adam Sandler's in it. With the click? No, hold on. It's a sports. It's another sports movie. It's a. He was in prison. Prison. Chris Rock was in it too. No, it's like so. Like Adam Sandler had to get together like a prison football team. Tracy Morgan was in it too. Actually, please hold. I'll get you. I'll get you the exact. Uh film and if oh, I, it's if the I, longest yard that's what it is oh oh i don't know why i didn't fucking remember that me me neither i i feel ashamed. i was i haven't seen the longest yard in a long time that's what it is it's the longest yard i haven't seen the longest yard in a very long time wow also it's like how do you do you separate documentaries from like traditional narrative sports movies because then documentaries is like a whole different thing um. Yeah, I think documentaries and actual films are different. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that they're the same. Me personally, at least. I mean, you could say that your favorite sports movie is a documentary, but if you wanted to separate the two, then you can do that. I mean, you can. I mean, you can. You definitely can. But I don't think anyone's going to just go out on a limb and say. Um, you know, the ESPN 30 for 30 about the 86 Mets is going to be their favorite sports movie of all time. Or, um, what well, I mean, does with the last dance, the last dance doesn't really count either because it's a multi part <laughs> series. See, that's a harder one because the last dance, there were multiple parts to it. Where if you put them all together, it could be a film. That that's 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 a tougher one. That's like a, that's a really really gray area. I'm sure there are a few people out there. If you ask them to pick their favorite sports movie, they'd probably say something like Hoop Dreams. 
those people are uncultured. It's a good movie. Whatever. There are people that are absolutely uncultured. And uh, if anybody was listening to this question and the first thing that came to their mind was Space Jam, you get, stop listening right now. Well, I mean, it'd be pretty understandable considering that. No, it's understandable in the sense that it the, the movie is fresh in their minds because a new one is coming out. Yeah, it's going to be awful. It's pre- Yeah, it's probably going to be terrible. LeBron isn't it. Anything LeBron touches is awful. I mean, I'm, I don't really have high hopes. If they, if they've waited like what twenty years to make a sequel, maybe even thirty years to make a sequel. No, it's like twenty years ish. I thought it was twenty. It's twenty. Thirty years would be nineteen ninety one, and there's no way. Yeah. Um, they waited twenty years to make a sequel to a movie. It just feels like a cash grab at this point. I agree. And I love Space Jam. It's not my favorite sports movie, but it's a it's a great movie. Uh, eh. Not for me. Understandable. Not for me. Not my not my cup of tea. Anyway, so let's get into some sleepers. Now that we've uh, talked about our favorite sports movies of all time, we didn't really, you know, actually before we do this. You've seen The Blind Side? It's great. Of I have. Great one. Yeah. It was okay. I wouldn't say great. It was it was okay. Okay. Not my again, not not really my cup of tea. Cuz I don't hmm, I don't even think I would really consider that like a super sports movie. I obviously know Michael Lore and and you know, football player but I think it's about more than just sports, if that makes sense. Well, those are the best kinds of sports movies. I disagree. We just had no. different tastes then. Well, no, it, it's about. It's not just about the sport. It's about the per. It's about the people. It's about the characters, the narrative. That's the story. Mm, when I'm watching a sports movie, I just want my sports. I don't want. I don't want any damn narrative. But it's a film. That's it's the point of the film. Everything has a narrative. I don't care. I I don't care about my characters. I just want to. I just want to be entertained by sports. That's it. Okay. If I want to be, if I want to be entertained by a narrative, I'll go watch a drama. I'll go watch a Devil Wears Prada. There's a lot of narrative in that. Yeah, boy. Why, why wouldn't you want one that deals with sports? Why are you being so contrarian about this? You asked me my opinion about what kind of sports movies I like. I'm giving you the opinion. Okay. I don't. I, there's just nothing about mi- mixing drama and sports that I don't. I don't love. I just want my sports. The only real thing is you give me a little bit of a comedic influence. I'm all for it. Happy Gilmore. Fantastic. Left my socks off. Got to watch about a hockey player learning to play golf and become a superstar golfer going against Shooter McGavin. Excellent. What about the side stuff? The, the B story about saving his mother's house with the winnings from the golf tournament. Secondary, if you ask me. Okay. Secondary, if you ask me, and Mrs. Gilmore is a villain in that film. You cannot convince me otherwise. As far as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, you could have taken a bulldozer to that house. What about the story in the in the Sandlot of the new kid trying to fit in with the kids from the Sandlot? See, I don't look at it. See, I I've never looked friends. at it that way. I've never looked at it that way. I just saw a couple of kids getting together and doing what every kid growing up in the U.S. of A. has done. And that is just going to play baseball with their, with their posse, with their click. Okay. And occasionally go and occasionally going to the public swimming pool and checking out the hot lifeguard. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. Thank Mm. you for that. Anyway. Mm. But yeah, I mean, that's the good thing about movies is that they can be interpreted in multiple ways. Yes. And I just don't like, I separate my dramas from my sports. I am all for a nice drama. I am all for it. Gone girl. Fantastic fantastic film but i keep my sports separate okay so anyway for sleepers we basically did this like we do most uh most of our lists we picked a couple players per position and we're going to talk about sleepers and for those that don't know 
if you just started listening to us based on our uh, How to Start a Fantasy Football League podcast, then welcome. And what a sleeper is, is a player that might be drafted later in the draft that will end up panning out for you. That will get that will give you greater value than the position that he was picked at. I was literally about to say it. The, the definition for sleeper for me is someone that outperforms their draft position. So someone that's drafted in the seventh round will return fifth round value. Someone that's drafted in the tenth round will give you sixth round value. That's what I would call a sleeper. That pans yes. out. That pans out. And yeah. I mean, literally couldn't have said it any better myself. So would you like to go first with quarterbacks? Uh, surely. Um, pick one. One or two. One. Uh, Carson Wentz of the Indianapolis Colts. Well, uh, what I decided, mine, so I'm going to go with my backup. Yeah, what I, decide, what I decided to do for this was for – Quarterbacks and for tight ends, I decided to go for guys that are outside the top 15. And for running backs and receivers, I've gone for guys that are outside the top 30. That's how I've decided what my sleepers are. And Carson Wentz immediately jumps off the page for me as someone that will outperform his draft value. I just think you put him in Indianapolis, there's going to be a much better cast there than there was in Philadelphia with Jonathan Taylor there. You have Michael Pittman, who's expected to take a big bounce in year year two for him. T.Y. Hilton returning for another season. Granted, I'm not really sure what kind of fantasy value you're going to get out of T.Y. Hilton, but his presence alone should be good for Carson Wentz. And if you are going to bring in Zach Ertz, I think it's even better for Carson Wentz to potentially have a a sleeper really good year. But if not, you still have Jack Doyle there. You have Mo Alley Cox still there as well. So, two pretty solid tight ends that can get the job done for Carson Wentz. And what I haven't even mentioned, and you know, these aren't skilled players in any stretch of the imagination. That offensive line is really good. That offensive line is going to keep Carson Wentz upright. He's going to, they're going to give Carson Wentz all the time in the world to make the throws. And he's now going into a system that he is very, very familiar with, with Frank Reich being his old offensive coordinator in uh, Philadelphia. He knows the system. He knows him, right? Frank Reich knows Carson Wentz. So I think that's a really good marriage that I think is going to actually end up working out for uh, for Indianapolis. So I'm going to go with uh, with Carson Wentz as my first uh, sleeper. Well, hopefully Eric Fisher pans out for them at left tackle. I think he should. I I think he should. I think it was very serviceable for uh, for Kansas City. Obviously, he didn't live up to being a number one pick, but he was serviceable enough to keep uh, Patrick Mahomes upright. I think he can do the same for uh, for Carson Wentz. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, also coming off that Achilles tear. In the playoffs. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Very true. Did you mention um, Paris Campbell coming back from his ACL tear? That could be something for Carson Wentz too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Paris Campbell doesn't move the needle for me. I know there are a lot of people, there are a lot of people that like him, but nah, not for me. Two, two years in a row, he's gone out with season ending injuries. He, he's just one of those where I'm just kind of raising the white flag on it. Okay. But if you like Paris Campbell, then yeah, Paris Campbell is, is there too. But for me, for me, he's not reliable enough. Okay, so I guess I guess we're doing this. So uh, one or two. Um, I'm gonna go for Voicek Chesney. So one, one. Okay, one is Derek Carr. Mm. Okay. Derek Carr is ranked uh, 23rd. In fantasy on fantasy pros, I have him at twenty. I mean, that's really, really good value for a guy that puts up numbers. He's always put up numbers, regardless of how shitty his supporting cast has been. And honestly, his supporting cast was pretty shitty last year. And he, yeah, like I said, he's always he really has always put up numbers, and that's what you're kind of expecting out of of out of a quarterback and you're getting him at such a ridiculous value he probably won't he might not even be drafted in a lot of formats in a lot of shallow formats i don't think he's going to be drafted 10 team leagues he won't be drafted 12 team leagues he might he might so at the value that you're getting if god forbid knock on wood something bad happens to your starting quarterback Derek Carr could be a good option for for you because He's kind of like Devin Booker in the sense that he puts up 
a lot of points. Yeah, one's a star though, one isn't. Yes. No, well, in that sense and only that sense. I would say with with Carr, there are a couple things that always just kind of steer me off of him. Number one is those touchdown numbers. He's just he's not a 30 touchdown guy. And that that's what kind of worries me when it comes to fantasy, is that you you kind of need one of two things. You need a guy that's gonna be a 30 touchdown guy. Or you're going to need a guy that can take off and really give you the rushing upside for him to be a viable starting option week in, week out. Now, can Carr be a very good spot start in occasions? Yes, absolutely he can. He's done it before. He's been very, very good. I just think my my overall problem is, and I don't want to say problem, because I don't think it's a problem, but he's going to need one of those receivers to really work for him because I don't think that Derek Carr is going to be a viable starting option with just Darren Waller. He's going to need one of John Brown, Henry Ruggs, or Brian Edwards to take a step up. And I think the most likely out of those guys is probably Ruggs to do the business. Now, granted, I think I like Brian Edwards. I like what he brings to the table. Big body receiver on the outside can really go for those 50-50 balls which Carr likes to throw. He does it with Darren Waller. I think if you can give him that on the outside now, that could be definitely enticing. And that is where we could see those touchdown numbers go up. But on the flip, you know, we, we just haven't seen those Raiders receivers get the business done. Granted, they were only in year one, but John Brown, I think for coming to the, to Las Vegas, definitely brings something different to the table. I think he will help out rugs and John Brown has always been a really consistent receiver very, very quietly. He's gotten the job done. Uh, it was an injury-riddled year last year for him, but if he walks in and he becomes the new Nelson Aguilar for this offense, I think John Brown could be really, really good. I think John Brown could be worthwhile as a late-round pick as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't I don't mind Carr. I, I don't mind that at all. I think as a spot start, he'll give you your floor – the ceiling is just where I question it with, with him. Here are a couple of interesting things that I was looking up in research and just seeing where Derek Carr finished. He finished as like QB 13 um, in our league, you know, which doesn't really matter. I mean, quarterback scoring is pretty standard, but he had basically similar numbers to Kirk Cousins uh, last year. I mean, Kirk Cousins had, um, eight more touchdowns, but he actually had really close numbers to Matt Ryan, everybody's favorite sleeper. And Matt Ryan threw the ball about a hundred more times. I don't know if Matt Ryan is a sleeper per se, because Matt Ryan is still being drafted as top 15 quarterback. Right. And that, and still, I mean, Derek Carr put up similar numbers. Okay. On All right. Less attempts. No, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying that you're, you don't know why Matt Ryan is being drafted as a top 15 guy and Derek Carr is being drafted not even in the 20s when they put right. up similar numbers. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. I also just think, you know, I would look at the expected touchdown numbers from Matt Ryan now. Because now he, now with Matt Ryan, he has the hype of Kyle Pitts. So the whole Kyle Pitts circus has kind of just really dragged everyone with the Falcons kind of in full circle so to speak. And that's helped Matt Ryan because everyone's just going to go out and say, Oh yeah, well, Kyle Pitts, if he's going to catch a ton of touchdowns, it's going to have to come from Matt Ryan. So it, it, Matt Ryan's got to be a very, very good option. I mean, fantasy pros is projecting him to have basically the same season as last year. Yep. Of like 4,500 yards, 20, 27 touchdowns, 11 or 12 picks. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't have, I don't have it like that at all. I have it for, I have him down for forty-seven hundred yards, thirty-one touchdowns, and twelve picks. I think it's a thirty. I think it's a thirty-touchdown season, Matt Ryan, because I think that team's going to be awful. So they're going to be throwing a lot, and we're going to see a lot of garbage time numbers from uh, from Matt Ryan. But I think Matt Ryan and Derek Carr are very similar. They're very similar in terms of week to week. They'll give you the floor. Don't know about the upside necessarily. Yeah, I. And that's why I'm kind of confused about the separation. And I mean, that's, it's the Kyle Pitts effect, I guess. Well, it's also Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley. And then in Las Vegas, is kind of a shit show. That is also true. All right. 
Who's your other guy? Uh, my other guy is Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. And I am in the camp that Justin Fields will be starting by week four. And I think when Justin Fields comes in, I think he is going to be spectacular. I mean, I'm looking at the offense that is in Chicago right now. I think David Montgomery is going to be solid enough. You have two very good pass catching running backs as well. Damian Williams and Tariq Cohen, where when a rookie cup uh, quarterback comes in, they're obviously going to want to utilize those running backs to a lot of dump balls, a lot of uh, handing the ball off as well. So that'll be good for Justin Fields to get his confidence in. And then I'm looking at the pass catchers as well with Allen Robinson, with Darnell Mooney, with Cole Komet, Jimmy Graham. I, I think that the pieces are there that all Justin Fields really needs to do is step on the field and he can become a uh, really, really good option right away. And, and he's being drafted literally close to 30. So it, that's like, that's a gimme. That's a gimme is someone that I think can really outperform uh, where he's being drafted, but it's going to take a little bit of uh, a simmering for him. So uh, Justin Fields, I mean, it's my sleeper. That is a good, good shout. I like Justin Fields. I mean, he's go, he, he is so affordable right now. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Speaking of young quarterbacks that are affordable. Yeah. My other guy is going, is a bit controversial and a bit weird yeah. for me as a Jets fan. All right. Mr. Tua Tagovailoa. Ugh. I'm just going on the, the, I mean, you talk about a floor of buying somebody or picking somebody. You're, you're picking Tua or not picking Tua. You're not picking Tua. You're getting him off of, off of free agency. People aren't going to want Tua, and you can capitalize on that. And, I mean, Tua doesn't have – I think really what contributed to Tua Tagovailoa not performing as well last year – is because he always had the looming threat of Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was always looking over his shoulder at Ryan Fitzpatrick. And at that point, and now he doesn't have that. He's the guy in Miami. He's got another year of the, uh, of learning the Dolphins offense. Cause allegedly he didn't know the playbook last year. That's a problem. But now he has a full off season going into his second year with the same coach, same offense, I think he's going to have a bounce back. I mean, he, he's got another weapon in Will Fuller. Devontae Parker is back. Mike Kosicki is back. He has Miles Ga- he has a Miles Gaskin at running back. I think Tua is going to have a solid year. I mean, listen, I'm not, project- I'm not projecting him to be like a top 15, top 10 quarterback. I'm saying that he's going to give you – he'll give you something. Do so you think he outperforms where he's being drafted then? Yes, even though he's not being drafted. I mean, it would really take Tua just completely shitting the bed for him not to outperform. I mean, I don't – see, that's what's kind of wild about Tua is I don't really know of anyone that's, like, super excited about him. Granted, they've done, I think, a really decent job Miami of surrounding Tua with talent. Everyone's favorite, Will Fuller, Devontae Parker. You have Lynn Bowden coming back. Miles Gaskins there. Salvin Ahmed. Uh, you have Mike Isicki still there. Yet, there's just something about it that nobody is really hot and heavy about Tua or just the Dolphins in general. So I think a lot of people just think, well, Tua sucks. I mean, I'm one of them. I'm it, one of them. I, I think he absolutely sucks. I think it's ridiculous that we're just putting the bust verdict on quarterbacks after one year. I mean, look, you didn't know the playbook. That's, that's one thing. But it also says a lot that in big-time moments, big-time situations, Brian Flores is going with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick's not there anymore. Well, doesn't it say a lot that I mean they could have brought him back? It could have. They definitely could have. But they didn't. I just don't understand why, if you were going to do this rotating door at quarterback like they did last year, just sit to it for the entire year. 
or let him play in the last couple of games. Because it's, it's very obvious that last year, the, the quarterback that gave that team the best chance to win was Ryan Fitzpatrick, not Tua Tagovailoa. No way. So for me personally, I mean, yeah, can he outperform where he where he's being drafted? Yes, absolutely he can. But I just think, you know, talent shows itself at the end of the day. We say it all the time, and I just don't know how good Tua is. Well, you know, I think that if you pick a quarterback – as high as the Dolphins pick Tua, it's like it's not in vogue anymore to just sit him for a bunch of years, like what the Packers did with Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers was a late round, was a late first round pick. I disagree. I disagree wholeheartedly. I mean, look at what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. Mahomes sat for an entire year behind Alex Smith. Mahomes played one game his rookie year, and it was a, to the tune of two hundred or so odd yards against the Broncos in Week Seventeen. Well, the difference is, is that the Chiefs are a better run organization than the Dolphins. Sure. Fair. But Andy Reid is an experienced coach as opposed to Brian Flores, who is going into his second year. Fair. Fair. But at the, but at the same time, teams still are going to sit rookie quarterbacks. And, you know, if you wanted to play the kid one or two weeks, yeah, that's totally, totally fine. But to play him and then pull him and then play him and pull him, it's just kind of like, eh. well, that's uh, that's what I was saying about his confidence. I mean, getting yanked after making the after making the tiniest of mistakes will probably shoot his confidence. Is it is it wrong or irresponsible? I don't know what the word is for me to think that it already is kind of a make or break year for Tua not yes i mean it's his second year let him let him have the offense to himself okay for a year see what happens all right i just think with that but that that defense though that with that defense that team is ready to contend it they kind of remind me of the giants in a lot of ways that the team both teams have really good defenses that are ready to contend right now but they just have their two quarterbacks there that just absolutely totally suck. Daniel Jones, I'm more convinced sucks than Tua. Yeah, because I mean, if Tua is if Tua is like Alabama Tua, then we're in for we're in for a show with Miami. But I I don't know that. I mean, that's why he's not being drafted. That's why you're getting him at such a value. Yeah, but is, that, is anybody? My whole thing is, is anybody really going to look at Tua and just be excited about it? That's the thing. Like, someone's going to see Tua in the 17th round and be like, oh, Tua's here. Oh, I'm going to go run to the board and put him on. Oh, okay. Boom, Tua. Well, no. <laughs> well, you're not drafting no? him. That's the point. I mean, if he's not drafted, then he just goes off week one. Then you're fighting everyone on waivers. I guess. I mean, mm. put it this way: I'd I'd rather take the chance on Fields over Tua. Me personally, that's fair. The crazy thing is, Fantasy Pros is very high on Tua, or at least the consensus is high on Tua. He's at twentieth. That's insane. I have him at twenty-five, and that's ahead of. Derek Carr and Justin Fields. That's ridiculous. I have Carr and Fields ahead of him. So Tua is ahead of Daniel Jones, Big Ben, Derek Carr, Justin Fields, my boy, Sam, Jameis, Trey Lance, my other boy, Zach, Cam Newton, and Jared Goff. 20. That's ridiculous. That's that's ridiculous. I have Big, I have Big Ben higher. I don't have Daniel Jones higher. I, I don't. So maybe we agree on that one. Um, I don't have Jared Goff higher. I don't have Cam Newton higher. But 20. Oof. 20 is a bit rich. Jesus. Oh, I do have Jameis higher. I figured. I have Jameis one spot higher. I don't think you needed to say that. That's For now. Of, well, it's kind of implied. The Saints QB1, whomever it is, will be higher than, okay. than, than Tua. For me. Gotcha. Whether it's Jameis or whether it's Taysom Hill. 
I would t- I'd rather take the number one guy for the Saints over Tua. Okay. All right, moving on to running backs. Bird, one or two? Um, we're going to go for Hector Bellerin. Two? Yep. Okay, Bellerin, I don't know. Bellerin, Hector Bellerin. No, 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 no. You know, my favorite uh, chant for a city defender, one the one that I can actually remember off the top of my head, is something is this. He's big, he's quick, he's got a 12-inch dick. Company, company. It's, it's amazing. You know, one of my favorite chances. To dare is to do, to dare is to do. 13 league titles, you've only won two. Like that one? Yes. Fuck Tottenham. Ours is, it should have been 10. It should have been 10. You lock off back to London. It should have been been 10. 10. (laughs) The city is ours. The city is ours. Fuck. Well, I think that, no, that one, it's you lucky bastards. It should have been 10. And then fuck. Oh, you lucky bastards. It should have been 10. Yes. The second verse is fuck off back to London. Please. Where was, where was city 15 years ago? Still in the Premier League. I don't barely. I'm not doing this now. Uh, Number two. Number two. Michael Carter of the New York Jets. Another guy you're getting at a really, really good value who has the potential to be the RB1 with the New York Jets. This is not Adam Gaze's team anymore. Adam Gaze can't hurt me anymore. Thank God. But I think that, uh, you know, Michael Carter showed a lot of. Hold on. <clears throat> Jeez. Excuse what the hell's you. Go- what the hell's going on? Hold on. I'm just going to get a drink of water. Ooh. What has gotten. What has gotten into me? Not water, apparently. Eat lots of water. Always drink water. Yeah, I mean, this is not this is not an Adam Gaze led team anymore. Michael Carter has the potential to be really, really good with this Jets offense. The only guy that's standing in his way is Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman, come on. Yeah, we talked. We actually talked about this on uh, on the Basement Talk podcast, and Michael Carter was one of my guys too. And Jake and I were uh, just kind of going back and forth on it, and. Michael Carter kind of screams to me like a Cam Akers and a J.K. Dobbins. It's kind of the same thing where I think he, he's going to have to blow all your fab on Michael Carter. I'm not going to give <laughs> the Cam Akers guarantee yet, but it's, it's the same situation where there's a veteran guy in front of him where we assume that the veteran is probably going to start the year as the guy and then, you know, sprinkling of the younger guy in there. And then eventually the younger guy overtakes the veteran and Michael Carter will have that backfield, which will be fantastic. So yeah, I, I can get behind that one after slaughtering your pick of, uh, of Tua. I, I, that one I can get behind because I do like Michael Carter as well. I do like Michael Carter a whole lot. I have him as a top 35 guy, which okay. I don't know. I don't know where fantasy pros has him, but for me, he's a top 35 guy. Fantasy pros has him. I was literally just here. 38. 38? Okay. 38. Yeah. Yeah, he's top 35 for me. I like okay. him. I like him a good amount. Um, do you want me to give you my other guy? Sure. Sure. Number number one, A.J. Dillon of the Green Bay Packers. Well, you did call Aaron Jones a bust, so. Yeah. So, if I called Aaron Jones a bust, then that must mean I like A.J. Dillon. That's how that works. Um, AJ Dillon filling in for filling into the uh, Jamal Williams spot minus the pass catching minus Minus the pass pass catching though yes exactly but uh, Aaron when Aaron Jones inevitably gets injured AJ Dillon is going to fill in pretty uh, serviceably for the Green Bay Packers and once again you're getting him at a really good value and that's that's the what sleepers are all about 
So, you know, I don't, I don't really know if you're going to get him at a great value because the Aaron Jones owner is also going to know that he's going to have to go and get AJ Dillon. So I think you're going to be in an arms race with the Aaron Jones owner to go get Dillon just to have him. Um, you know, you're not going to get him at a value. You could also be meta about it and you could pick AJ Dillon and then like hold him for ransom to the Aaron Jones owner. Yeah, fully can. Definitely can. Granted, granted, I'm not one that's going to go out of my way to overdraft for a guy just to hold him for ransom. You know, I, I kind of, I kind of just fucks with your entire team, really. Yes. Because you, you definitely are going to get to a point where if you're not using the guy, you're going to have to cut him. Or you're going to have to trade him for nothing. And you know, if you overdraft him, then you're just trading it for nothing. It's a shitty pick. It's a shitty pick. So. The team around you better be good, where if you can hold Dylan. But yeah, I I can get behind it just because I think he I think AJ Dylan will steal some goal line carries from Aaron Jones. I think that could it could put a dent in Jones a little bit, a, 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 a tiny bit. But I just think even if you even if you were to tell me Aaron Jones gives you 13, 14 games, he played 14 games last year. If he can give you 13, 14 games, I think he'll still be a 11, 1,200-yard guy, and he'll get you somewhere in the range of nine to double-digit touchdowns. I, I think Jones will be fine. I think Jones will be fine, but I think Dylan definitely has some upside in deeper leagues. I don't know his appeal in 10 team leagues just because – they're going to be guys that are available later in drafts that I think will give you better value for where you're drafting them than AJ Dillon will. Especially yeah. when you're in an arms race with the Aaron Jones owner who is going to know that he has to get his hands on AJ Dillon. Yeah. The funny thing is a lot of the sleepers are a lot of the big sleepers are kind of like, once you get later, there are a lot of them are handcuffs because you have AJ Dillon, Tariq Cohen, JD McKissick, Tony Pollard, is a name that I could have mentioned. Tony Pollard is a great one. I didn't write. I didn't write him down, but Tony Tony Pollard is a great one because I I think we do see more of Tony Pollard this year, which is why Zeke scares me a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go with number two. Who's number two. Number two? Uh, I'm going for Damian Harris of the New England Patriots. Uh, there have been reports coming out that Damian Harris is going to be the number one guy for the New England Patriots by far and away, even if there's a, that's just first and second down and James White is on the field for third down as the pass catching back. I still think that screams 200 carries for Damian Harris. And you're going to be drafting him late on in drafts. You're going to be drafting him in the double digit rounds and you can expect him at the very least to get you, like I said, those 200 carries, maybe to the tune of six, seven touchdowns. He'll return value. Um, I had a bold prediction on the Basement Talk podcast where I said I think Damian Harris could finish the top 15 running back if he's given the the keys to that running game by Bill hey. Belich- by Lord Bill Belichick. Please don't say that like that. Why? Unless, unless the unless you put the word Sith in front of it. Lord Bill Belichick. Sith Lord Bill Belichick. Absolutely not disgraceful. Bill is a king. I was going to say, it seems like you've been reading some articles from ESPN Patriots analyst Mike Reese, who said that uh, Damien Harris enters the 2021 season as the quote-unquote surefire number one option. In the I did not read that. When did that come out? Tuesday. I did not read that. Huh. I came up, I came up with this list Tuesday afternoon, sitting outside by the pool. <laughs> Honestly. Um, looking at the actual article, looking at the article, um, Bill Belichick said that Damian Harris is off to a really good start in preparation for the season. His, his big thing is staying healthy. If, if Damian Harris can stay healthy, I think he's going to be given every opportunity in the world to be the number one guy for this offense. But that backfield does kind of scare me a bit because you have Damian Harris, you have Sony Michelle, another guy that can't stay healthy. And then you have James White. Um, and also Brandon Bolden, who opted out last year. Yeah, Brandon Bolden. That's a name. But, uh, I mean, listen, 
they were comfortable enough to let Rex Burkhead go to the to another running back mess into in Houston. Emphasis on mess. Well, he'll probably get cut in Houston, and then New England will probably resign him right away. No, he's going to go to Tampa Bay. God no, please God no. A Tampa fifth guy, s- a fifth guy. You put Burkhead there with Keyshawn Vaughn, Ronald Jones, Leonard Fournette, and Giovanni Bernard. Ugh. They're going to be like their hockey brethren and sign all the players and be over the cap. Please, God, no. Yeah, Damien Harris for me. I think he's a, he's, he's a very, very good sleeper. I, I like him kind of in the same mold that I like Zach Moss. It's kind, kind of the same. Yeah, well, at least Zach Moss doesn't have as many hurdles as Damien Harris does. Uh, Zach Moss is Devin Singletary. That's a rather large hurdle. Yeah, but he doesn't have as many. What does Damian Harris have? Sonny Sonny Michelle. Who can't stay healthy next. James James White. Who'll be on the field for third down. Yeah, that's fine. Oh, yeah, it's two hurdles. Okay. Two is greater than one. I don't trust Sonny Michelle to stay on the field. Sonny Michelle could sprain his toe in training camp and be out for six weeks. Isn't that what happened to him? Isn't that literally what happened to him last year? I just came up with an injury on the top of my head. That's what it seemed like. It seemed like he he stubbed his toe in the shower and he was out for six weeks. He kicked his uh, he kicked his child's teenage mutant ninja turtle and it was out for the entire year. <laughs> he stepped on a Lego and he, he was out for the year. He stepped on a Lego, yes. Hey, listen, I, I don't blame him. Those things are painful. They are fucking painful. Let me tell you, they are Fucking painful. Makes you want to jump into a cold tub. After Makes that. You want to jump into anything. Who's your other guy? Uh, Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert. One. We talked about him. Uh, I have him outside my top 30. I actually have him at 31. But if Kyle Shanahan wants to run the ball 500 plus times, Raheem Mostert for where he's going is going to be a great value. Because I think if he's the number one guy there, he's going to get every opportunity in the world to run the ball, get those high leverage touches, and I think he's going to be very good and outperform where he's being drafted. Granted, I also have Trey Sermon at 32, so I have Mostert and Sermon back-to-back. I was going to say, that was that was my follow-up, was what do you think about Trey Sermon? I know that you liked him going heading into the draft. We telepathically connected there, Adam. Correct. Yeah, I, I like Sermon. I like Sermon. I don't have an issue with him. Uh, just for me, I think the proven guy is, is Mostert. Granted, Sermon... Sermon, I guess, kind of has the same problem as Michael Carter. I think it's kind of the same thing. Where Sermon's got the veteran guy in front of him, same with Carter. And Michael Carter will probably work his way to being the number one guy. Sermon's probably going to need a Mostert injury to be the number one guy, which is quite possible given Mostert's extensive record. Of stepping on Legos. Of stepping on Legos, yes. (laughs) Of stepping on Legos. But... I mean, you're right. I do think that, yeah, my Trey Sermon definitely would need an injury, God forbid, for that, for something like that to have, you know, for him to be the number one guy. Because I don't think on merit, unless Trey Sermon is like incredible in training camp and preseason, I don't think he's going to overtake Mostert on merit. Completely agree. And plus, you also have Jeff Wilson there, too. Yeah. Yeah, but I completely agree that Sermon's going to need to be very, very good to take over most of our merit. Okay, wide receivers. Who do you got? One or two, Adam. I'm going to go with two. Back-to-back two. Kyle Walker. I'm going with Antonio Brown of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's being drafted right now as the wide receiver 39. That is unreal value. We saw what happened when he walked in for the better part of the second half of the year last year. Tom Brady peppered him with targets. Absolutely. If Antonio Brown, him. if Antonio Brown's a sleeper, then I must be asleep right now. He's being drafted outside the top 30. That's the definition of a sleeper for me. He's being drafted outside the top 30. I have him as a top 35 receiver. He will not be drafted as a top 30 receiver. There's there's no way. If if there is someone in your league, listeners, I am talking to you directly. 
if there is someone in your league that is looking to draft Antonio Brown inside the top 30, let them have him. Done. Done. But Antonio Brown is not, I repeat, he is not going to be drafted inside the top 30 to the point where you are going to go out of your way to be like, oh, I'm going to be in an arms race for Antonio Brown. No, it's not happening. It is not happening. No way, no how. I mean, I agree. He's not going to be drafted outside of the top 30, but like still, it's, I think what my thing is, I find it hard to wrap my head around that Antonio Brown is a sleeper. That's my thing because it's Antonio Brown. But he does fit the criteria. I'll give you that. I mean, name value wise, yes, he's not a sleeper because everyone knows what Antonio Brown is for sure. Well, I think that, that that might contribute to him getting drafted pretty highly. Name value could play a part in him being overdrafted. Yeah, for sure. But I think also a lot of people, at least the smarter leagues, are going to see, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cameron Braid, Rob Gronkowski, Fournette, Jones, Bernard. And they're, they're, they're just going to be say, you know, there's just too many mouths to feed in that offense. And maybe they steer clear of Antonio Brown there. I know there are a lot of people out there that are steering clear of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers just in general for, for that reason and that reason alone. So I'm here telling you, my great, glorious, beautiful people, do not worry about it. If there's one receiver that I will be drafting from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year, it is going to be Antonio Brown. Okay. Interesting. Uh, Adam, you want me to give mine? My other one? Yes, your other one. Uh, DJ Chark. He's being drafted as the wide receiver 33. I think that is fantastic, fantastic value for him. I have him as a as a wide as the wide receiver 28 for fantasy. Being drafted as the wide receiver 33 is, is just fantastic value. The number one receiver for Trevor Lawrence. Please, 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 I beg you, draft. DJ Chark, where you can. He's going to be great. I know people got burned by him last year, drafting him in the fourth round. It was too early for him. It was too early for him. But if you can get him, like I said, in between that wide receiver 28, wide receiver 35 range, I think it's a fantastic range for you to go make your move on DJ Chark. The interesting thing about DJ Chark is that I was actually considering putting two of his teammates on my sleeper list. LaVisca Chanel is a great one. His other two teammates. The other two teammates, they're under fantasy consideration, which is LaVisca Chanel and then Marvin Jones Jr. Oh, that would have been interesting. But uh, I thought better of it. Marvin, Marvin, I'm always hurt, Jones? Yeah. Which is, yeah, I thought better of it. I'll say that. Okay. But I think I mean LaVisca Chanel definitely is a is a worthwhile pick. I mean he's ranked at 42 on fantasy pros. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little low for him. It's a little low for him. I mean you're getting a you're getting a stellar value. Yeah, it's a stellar value if he stays healthy. Marvin Jones. I personally, me personally, I the way I like them is I like a Chark, Chenault, Jones. Well, yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. LaVisca Chenault is a stellar value. Yes, Chenault is very, very, very good. Marvin Jones, I'm not exactly, I'm not crazy about. Oh, I'm sorry. Chenault was being drafted at 42, not yes. Jones. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, I think 42 is a good spot for, for Chenault. Jones is at 50. Yeah, that's that's the way I have it. That's the way I have it. I have all three of those guys inside, inside my top 50. Chenault and Jones in between 40 and 50, and then Chark inside my top 30. Okay. Chark is at 30 on Fantasy Pros, Yeah, which is yeah, pretty right, solid. Right in line. Right yeah. in line with where, with where I have him. I have, Chark, I have Chark ahead of Higgins, but below Brett and Ayuk. Also right. ahead of Jamar Chase, I should point out, and ahead of Tyler Boyd. So I like I like Chark more than I like the Bengals guys. Okay, so let's move on to tight ends. Yep. Now, Bird, one or two? Did you give your receivers? Yeah, I did. Oh wait, no, I didn't. I was gonna say. If you My did, bad. I, for, I forgot him. Nope, I I did not. My bad. I was gonna say. Cut that part out. 
Um, my receivers, one or two. Uh, let's go with uh, two. Well, this will be quite familiar. I want you to guess who it is. I'm going to guess who it is. Michael Gallup? It is not Michael Gallup. Hmm. Is he in the NFC East? He is in the NFC East. He's playing for the Dallas Cowboys. He does not play for the Dallas Cowboys. Does he play for the New York Giants? He does not play for the New York Giants. Oh, boy. Does he play for... Is it Curtis Samuel? It's Curtis Samuel. I love how you were ha- you were halfway into it. Like, is it Curtis Samuel? <laughs> well, literally, I just started thinking of uh, of lower key guys in the NFC East, and as soon as I went to Washington, and I just light bulb Curtis Samuel, I was like, oh, here we go. We've talked about this before. Yes, it's Curtis Samuel. Listen, I'm going to keep talking about it, and people are and people are going to keep you know drafting him as the wide receiver 39 39 come on now i have lower than that what are we doing current samuel he's so much potential i have him lower than that where do you have him i have him at 44 oh goodness gracious i'm not a fan i'm, I'm just not a fan i'm aware but I think that's also just bias the fact that he has just made a living out of toying with me. So maybe I'm the wrong guy to ask about Curtis Samuel. So I think anybody, any Curtis Samuel truthers out there, uh, I think you want to hear from Adam over uh, over myself. Curtis Samuel's being drafted as the wide receiver 42, according to NFC. That's pretty solid. But he's being drafted over Antonio Brown. Antonio Brown is the 45th receiver off the board right now. God. That's terrific. Give me Antonio Brown at 45 over Curtis Samuel at 42. Give me, give me Antonio Brown at 45 over Debo fucking Samuel at 36 all day long. Well, that one I agree with. Fuck that. Who the hell are these people and why are they drafting Debo Samuel at 36? These fuckheads. I don't know. Adam, was that crystal clear enough for you? You asked the wrong person. Was that crystal clear enough for you? Was 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 that message loud and clear? It was. Good. Those fuckheads. I mean, listen. I think that I'm gonna it sounds like a broken record, but Curtis Samuel has so much potential. You have to look at the potential bird. I look at the track record and I say that he has just completely fiddled with me more times than I can count. When you're drafting this low, you got to take some risks for. I mean, is it a risk though? I don't know if it's a risk. I see. I think the way I look at it is if you're going zero receiver, and one of your two or three starting receivers ends up being Curtis Samuel. I don't love it. But if Samuel is like your fourth or fifth guy, you're able to have him on your bench as like a wait and see sort of thing. I can get on board with that. But by listen, no means can you pick up Curtis Samuel and just be like, oh, okay. Poof. Putting listen, him in my lineup right away. Is Curtis Samuel going to win you a championship? Probably not. He could. He could. He could. Probably not. But he could. Could sir, could Curtis Samuel uh, be a serviceable option for you? More likely than just him winning you a championship. Will you have issues where you're considering starting Curtis Samuel and he goes off and then you start Curtis Samuel and he does nothing for you? Yeah, you're going to have those issues. It's just run of the territory. Welcome to the fraternity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Welcome to the fucking club. But uh, yeah, that that's my thing with Curtis Samuel. I I'm very optimistic. I could see that he's your guy. You've been pounding the table for Curtis Samuel. Adam, yes, Adam. I swear to God, if we do this draft show and you do not take Curtis Samuel, I will say some words to you. Okay. 
taking Curtis Samuel in the fifth round. <laughs> I will say some words to you if you do not draft Curtis Samuel. I are we, just are we pointing that out. Curtis Samuel? What? Are we drafting Curtis Samuel? Absolutely not. That's why you better get him. You better get him in, uh, in on your own team because on, on a co-owned team, I am not drafting Curtis Samuel. Not a chance. I mean, we're gonna we're really gonna use the full allotment of time on our picks. Oh, Just we arguing. might because we're gonna we're gonna be arguing throughout. <laughs> yes, this is, it's gonna be a fun show. It's gonna be super. It really is gonna be super. Uh, your second guy, please. My second guy, another guy that I've been talking about a lot, especially now that one of his one of the big competitors for they're standing in the way of him got traded to Tennessee. It's Russell Gage. That's that that that's a good shout. That is a good shout. Russell Gage, he of 58. He is ranked 58. Yeah, that's ludicrous. It's criminal. That's ludicrous. Yeah. I have I he's another one I have inside my top 50. Would you rather have Russell Gage or John Brown? Gage. Russell Gage or Miko Hardman? Gage. Gage or Rieger? Gage. Gage or Cole Beasley? Gage. Gage or T.Y. Hilton? Gage. Gage or Darnell Mooney? Gage. Gage or Jalen Waddle? Gage. Gage. Wow, or... we're not even in the same territory yet. Gage or Marvin Jones? Gage. All of those players are ranked ahead of Russell Gage. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely ridiculous that is 57 to 50 that is absurd i I honestly adam i don't have one of those guys ranked higher than russell gage i i had my rankings in front of me i do not have any of those guys ranked above gage who are the who is like the first five players who are above russell gage for me yeah on my board um devontae parker jarvis landry Hollywood Brown, Brandon Cooks. Yeah, just scroll up a bit for that. Well, I'm also lower on those guys than than most. Well, yeah, I mean those guys. So basically, I'm higher on Gage, but lower on on those other guys. Essentially, you're having you have Russell Gage in like the 37 to 40 area, according to fans. Pros, I do. Yes. I have I have him ranked at 46. Okay. So I'm just lower on I'm super low on Devontae Parker. Super low. So okay. he he's not someone that I've even considered cracking my top 40. I won't I won't be drafting Devontae Parker. So that that's just me. Well, I mean Devontae Parker is 45. But on fantasy pros he is. Yeah. Oh, that's where I have him at 45. But uh, like Jarvis Landry is 41. Brandon Cooks is 38. Yeah, I'm. Lo- see, I'm lower on Cooks. I'm, I'm, I'm just really low on Cooks just because I don't know who's going to be throwing in the ball. Yeah. And he's on the Texans, and I don't want any part of that mess. And the other Devontae is at 40. Devontae Smith. Oh, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith. Yeah, I'm lower. I'm lower on Smith, too. Well, it's not spelled the same. But. Yeah, I've I actually have Smith one spot lower than uh, than Gage. I have Smith okay. forty seven. Well, yeah, I mean Russell Gage. What else needs to be said about Russell Gage? He has opportunity. He has opportunity. Yes. What is it like the tenth rule of fantasy football? Something like that. Pick players. Sixty ninth rule. Pick players that have great opportunities. The nice rule. The nice rule. All right, tight ends. Tight ends. Uh, I'm going to go for for mine. I mean, I think I've talked about my sleepers enough. Uh, It's Irv Smith and Cole Komet. I've talked about them more times than I can count. Go back and watch any other episode of this podcast. I bet I've talked about Irv Smith and Cole Komet, so I'm not even going to waste my breath talking about them even more. I will give one more guy. I'm going to go Jared Cook. God damn it. That was mine. That was (laughs) the second one. Well, well, then you'll you'll have one. This is actually, this is absolutely perfect then. Yeah, Jared Cook, uh, He's being ranked outside the top 20 right now. I have him right at 20. 
but he's in an offense where I think he's going to have all the opportunity to become the tight end that will be one of the go-to guys for Justin Herbert. I mean, look at what Hunter Henry was able to do last year. I think Jared Cook is very, very similar to that. Not exactly statistically, but in terms of being a guy that Justin Herbert is going to go to as a safety blanket, I think Jared Cook could be that guy. I think he returns pretty solid value, 45, 50 receptions for maybe 600 some some odd yards and five, six touchdowns. I think it's good enough. And where he's being drafted, I think that's great. You know, I'm going to replace Jared Cook then and pick somebody in the same vein sure. where you of Antonio Brown. You know who's being drafted as the 18th tight end or who's ranked as the 18th tight end? Is it O.J. Howard? It's Gronk. Let's see. I like I like O.J. Howard more. I, I was well, very close to putting Howard down, but I said I'm not going to do it because I have Brown. O.J. Howard is definitely a sleeper. I think I, I, I'm pro- I probably said, said his name as a sleeper just because – Everybody forgot about him after he tore his ACL. Yeah, Gronk is Gronk is in a bad shot though because he's he's there with he's there with Brady, but I just don't know what his floor is. His his floor sucks. Yeah, I mean he's got the touchdowns. Yeah, touchdowns touchdowns he'll be fine. Touchdowns he'll be totally fine. But I just, I like I said I I just think it's his his floor is just it, it's Shungad. That is that is very true. Um, my. My other uh, tight end that I prepared is Austin Hooper of the Cleveland Browns. He's a guy that slept on every year. Every single year. Every year. Even by his own organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Austin Hooper, you know, he he had poor luck last year with – he had appendicitis, right? Yes. He missed a couple weeks. Yep, with, he has to have an appendectomy. Yep, with the appendectomy. Missed three games, but um, I still think that uh, Austin Hooper could be pretty solid with where you're drafting him. Now, are you concerned at all by the Cleveland offensive scheme where they want to run more than they want to pass? Does that concern you? We very, we very much are tele- telepathic. Because I was literally going to say the one concern for me is the Cleveland Browns offense and the fact that they run the ball a lot, yeah, and that it might not bode well for Austin Hooper. I think it's a very valid concern. And then you have to figure that when they're throwing the ball, they're going to try and get it to Odell or Jarvis Landry as much as they can. Right. But I and like Hooper. I like Hooper. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm not protesting uh, that pick by any means. Yeah, I mean, you have to think about that. You also have to think about, like, in short yardage situations, they're not going to be throwing the ball to the tight end. They're going to be using either Kareem Hunt or Nick Chubb. Yeah. Yeah, Chubb and Chubb and Hunt present a problem for the rest of the guys in that offense. But I don't think it's too bad, considering where all those guys are going. Value-wise, I think it's okay to be taking risks. Right, exactly. I mean, you're. This is literally minimizing risk because you know you have a situation where Austin Hooper is being drafted, or even being ranked as the twentieth tight end. You're not really spending a premium premium draft capital on him. He's, you're probably not even drafting him at this point. Um, yeah, he's a solid pickup. Yeah, yeah. I think I think he's solid. All right. Well, Bird. Uh, what are we doing next week? Uh, next week, we are going to be doing a mock draft on Monday or Tuesday. And then on Friday, it is mailbag time. Fun stuff. Love mailbags. We love the mailbags. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Basin Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. You can find all episodes of the Fantasy Show wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find everything under the Basement Talk umbrella wherever you get your podcast. For my co-host, Ed Birdsall, I am Adam Caster. We will talk to you next time on the Basement Talk Podcast Fantasy Show. Bye-bye.